should come to the Word of God. That's why we're here. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, Timothy, remind them of these things. So today, there's probably nothing new in this message. There's nothing I think we're going to hit on today that you're going to go, wow, I never knew that. You're going to know these things. But I'm here today to remind you of these things. And so today, Dad's Day. So I'm talking to the men. <laughs> talking to the men today. So I'm talking all the dads, all the granddads, all the dads-to-be, all those ones who someday might be dads. And as men, we have such an opportunity and a privilege to establish the spiritual environment of our homes. So today we're going to look at Today we're going to look at the four pillars. Today we're going to look at the four pillars of a spiritual house, a spiritual home. And the title of the message is, How are the pillars of your house? How are the pillars of your house? And we, we know what pillars are, don't we, you know? Pillars are those things that bring the structure of the house. You know, they hold up the roof. If there's a second story, third story, they're the ones carrying the load, aren't they? Yeah. So they're the structure and the load carrying part of the house. So that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at the four pillars that hold the structure and carry the load of your house. Yeah. So we're going to look initially at what they are, and then we're going to be very personal and go, well, how are yours? How are those of your house? How are those of my house? Yes, yeah, so I'm including myself in that. And so in the worship, I'm sitting here going, and I'm thinking of the young men in the house. I'm thinking of Blair and Jesse and Hendrico. And there was someone else that I was looking at. Yeah. Don't know. There you go. He's vanished. Must have, must have slipped out, Pastor Nina. Um, but those young men, those young men who are right now establishing that Dean. Yeah, Dean's gone. <laughs> he was here. Where's Dean? Bring Dean back. <laughs> no, I'm being very silly there. Um, but these young men are looking at establishing their house. If you get these pillars right and established in your house, your house cannot fail but to prosper. Amen. Yeah. It just has to happen. Right. It's, it's, it's the way God set the universe. Right. Yeah. You go and find me any house where you look in and go, oh my goodness, isn't that house prospering? And I bet if you did a little bit of digging you would find that every one of these pillars was in place and was strong. So today is all about having them in place and having them strong. Okay. So this isn't rocket science. We can all do this. And, uh, you know, th those four young guys who are setting up your house, you know, Jesse? Yeah? You just got engaged? Um, I I'd love to pray for you guys at the end. You know, we might not have an altar call at the end. Um, but if those four guys would like to come, Blair, if you want to come, uh, Dean, you can let Dean know, yeah. And uh, I'd love to pray for them because they're at the point where they're setting up these things. Okay, um, four pillars. First one, okay, time with God, yeah, and time in his word. Time with God and time in his word. Um, for me, there is no substitute for starting the day in the presence of God and in the word of God. And I know, you know, there'll be discussion time to time, you know, well, I'm not a morning person, you know, I'm an evening person, so it'll be okay if I spend my quality time with God in the evening, not the morning, yeah? Uh, 
Well, I don't know. I'm a morning person, but for me, there's just simply no substitute for starting the day in the presence of God and in the Word of God. It's just got so many benefits. You know, if you start in, if you if you can connect with God in those early hours of the morning, you know, before you get into the day, before you get into the Word, yeah, your faith's built up. So you're already running into the day in a place of faith. If you do it daily, then you're giving a God to speak into your life. He can speak into your life every day. He may not choose to, but he can. So you think of the things he can give you, he can give you direction. You know, you're heading into something and you're, oh, yeah, I can do that. You know, he can give you wisdom. You know, you're dealing with some difficult people or difficult circumstances, whatever. He can give you wisdom so you can come out of that time with him going, oh, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. He can give you correction. (laughs) We don't always like that one, but sometimes we need it. So he can come out of that. And for us, it gives us that opportunity where we can pour out our heart before God. Where we can say, oh God, I got that meeting today. You know how difficult that person can be. You know how difficult that circumstance can be. Oh person, that, that, that thing. So we can pour out our heart to God. So for me, there's just no substitute for starting the day in the presence of God. It'd be great, wouldn't it, if every time we got up in the morning to spend presence with God, the Word of God came alive and God spoke to us and it was just brilliant. (laughs) But the reality is, you know, there's going to be some dry times, aren't there? You just have to push through them. There are going to be some times where you're reading the Word of God in the morning and you you can't really feel His presence, you know. You're thinking, oh my goodness, this is like chewing on sawdust, you know. But uh, you just push through. Because there'll come those days where all of a sudden you're sitting there, maybe with an anxious heart, and the Word of God will light up. You know, it'll just come alive. It'll light up like a Christmas tree. And you go, oh, yeah, there it is. There's my answer. There's, there's God. There's that thing. And so I think if you, if, if, you, if you do it systematically, if you do it daily, if you follow some plan, then when it happens, because if you, if you just do it randomly, yeah? So if, you, if your habit is, and, and if this is your habit, that's okay. But for me, if, if I open my Bible randomly, you know, even if it's relevant to my circumstances, I'm sitting there going, yeah, but my Bible always opens to that passage. It's just where it naturally falls over. Whereas if you're doing something systematic and it's relevant to you, you can go, okay, that's God. God's speaking to me here, yeah? Uh, for Helen, I think, I think Helen, devotions mainly. Helen will do a devotional. Yeah? Helen will do a devotional. Uh, devotionals don't work for me. You know, uh, for me, I just read systematically through the Bible. I read through chapters. But find what works for you. It doesn't really matter what you do. Um, for me, what I'll do is I'll, I'll read through chapters of the Bible. And uh, when I hit something that snags my interest, you know, I'll read something and I'll go, what on earth does that mean? Or I'll read something that just draws my attention, yeah? Then I open up the Bible Hub and I go to the commentaries. And two clicks, two clicks that I'm into the wisdom of men who are much brighter than me, who have done far more study of the Bible than I will ever do, yeah? And I can read the collection of things. And don't, don't just assume that they're right, but read the variety. You know, read the variety and go, oh, yeah, this guy's nailed it. That's the one I'm running with. Does that make sense? Yeah. The problem with that is, as you're turning to the Bible Hub, you know, there's the footy score that you haven't found out yet. Or there's, you know, the, uh, 
the financial markets or the, you know, maybe you don't check the financial markets, but you know the drawing or there's that new news article. So you just have to, you, you get it, yeah. You, you get it, you get it, yeah, you get it, yeah, yeah. So if you do it daily, you know, it's just that thing where God speaks and you know it's him. Um, many years ago when our, our first son was first born, and I'm sure some of you have heard this story, I've told it here before. Um, when, when, our, when our eldest son was born, he was really sick, like he was really sick. Um, he, he actually died in the first night, but they were able to resuscitate him. And so the next morning, the next morning we went in and spent time with the uh, doctors and they said, look, in essence, the summary was, we can't tell you if he's going to live, we can't tell you if he's going to die, but he's currently stable. And so um, Helen and I went out of that meeting in the morning and we just went to do our normal daily Bible reading. And at, at that time, we'd been reading the Bible together. And so we'd just been doing a chapter of the Bible every day, yeah? And we've been doing that for some years now. Uh, now, we'd already called our son Timothy, and we believed that was a name that God gave us for him. So his name was Timothy. And this was, our Bible, this was our scripture reading for the day. Yeah. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. Yes, we'd like to see him too. And we'd like to hold him soon. And we'd like to have him soon. Thank you very much. Uh, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one like him, this little Timothy, who will show genuine interest and concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. What a scripture to have. If we weren't doing our daily reading systematically, we wouldn't have that. Yeah? But God knew that on that morning, on that day, we'd need that scripture. And of course, when God speaks, you get so much. We'd called him Timothy because we felt that that was the name God had for him. And we, we knew that was true because God's calling him Timothy. Does that make sense? So God knew him as Timothy. We knew that God had it sorted, and he did. We knew that this son would be someone who has interest in others. Not a selfish son, someone whose heart is moved by the needs and the burdens of others. And that's Tim. He is. He's got that kind of heart. And we knew that there was going to be a ministry calling on his life. So that comes out of that daily, systematic, Getting into his presence, time with God. There's no substitute for it. So the first pillar, young men, old men, whoever. The first pillar is time with God and time in his presence. Okay. Pastor Neaton, when I used to preach here, they'd have a box of tissues up here for me. So I was, no, no, it's okay. I'm just being silly. I'm just being silly. I'm just being silly. I brought some. It's okay. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. <laughs> Thank you. I don't hear it down. There you go. Okay, second pillar. Pillar number two is prayer. Now, there's all different types of prayer, aren't there? There's lots of different types of prayer. Um, and it doesn't really matter the type of prayer. It's just a pillar you just got to have. You just got to get it. Um, you know, so we're not, we're not going to do an extensive study on prayer, but we're just going to touch on a few. So first one we're going to look at is just daily, consistent, faithful prayer. Yeah. You know, where you're getting up in the morning and you're saying, Lord, bless my household. Lord, watch over and care for my kids. 
Lord, bring salvation to my neighbours. Bring salvation. Yeah, you get the picture. Yeah, yeah. Um, It was a great word this morning. Isaac just really appreciated that. And uh, um, many years ago, and it's quite a while ago now, I was talking to Isaac. And Isaac was telling me that one of his daily consistent prayers is, Lord, honour me in my workplace. And I thought, you know, he kind of hit me when he said it because, well, one, it was probably something I'd never thought to do. You know, I'd never thought, Lord, honour me in my work, but it's a great prayer. It's an awesome prayer. Lord, honour me in my workplace. And uh, that's something that Isaac has played, prayed faithfully, probably often daily. But if you followed Isaac's career, oh my goodness, has, he not, has God not honoured him in his workplace? It's amazing um, what Isaac has done and the way he has had success in his workplace. So that, so that consistent, daily, faithful prayer works. Yeah. Then there's praying in tongues. Praying in tongues, you know? What a precious gift. I just, I just think we just don't use it enough. You know, it's this uh, special thing that God has given us. And uh, for, for me, the way I kind of look at pray, praying in tongues is praying in tongues is just letting what's in your spirit out. You, you know, it's just it's, it's letting what's in your spirit out. Have you, have you ever been like in those times of war? You know, and I know probably everyone here has been in those times where, you, where you're in the zone, yeah. you're in the battle, you know, yeah. and, and, and you'll go to pray and you'll go to pray in tongues and there's just this river yeah. and, and you're kind of going, yeah. oh my goodness, that, that was already going. Yeah. You know, before I started praying, that's, that's this river that's already flowing, this intercessory thing that's absolutely flowing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, so taking that time to pray in tongues um, just lets that river out. It, it lets your spirit just... Come out and come to the thing. Just a little funny story on that. Um, when I was in Townsville, and it was actually when we were on Magnetic Island um, church planting, and I was working in Townsville over at a geotech engineering company, and it was one of those really frustrating times. You know, you know when you just can't take a trick, and you know, and this breaks and that, and just every, everything, yeah. And um, uh, as far as I knew, as far as I knew, I was I was just in the lab. Um, by myself, everyone was out in the field doing different things, and uh, and I went into the boss's office and made a phone call, and I can't remember. It was like to the electricity people to get them to sort something out, you know, and just just no success, you know. Just came out more frustrated that than than when I went in there, yeah. And as I'm walking out of the office, just up out of my spirit, you know, and it, you know, it just came this big blast of tongues. It just, you know, it, it wasn't quite involuntary, but you know. I just let it go, just, you know, and just frustration with the enemy, you know, come on, you know, let the Spirit of God break through, yep. And uh, uh, so as I walked out through the door of the office, I'd assumed I was alone, but I wasn't. And uh, just sitting just outside the door was this young 15-year-old work experience kid who was just sitting there, you know. And uh, he looked at me, I looked at him, neither of us said anything. And we just went back about our uh, daily routine. When we pray in tongues, we're letting that thing of our spirit just come out. And our spirit's got it sorted because it's in connection with God. And, of course, the thing with that is we have in our midst Pastor Nina, who is the absolute guru when it comes to all things of Holy Spirit and tongues. So if you've got any questions around about that, if that's new or different, just come and see Pastor Nina because... Uh, when it comes to that sort of stuff, you've already got the best in your house. Okay. Um, there's lots of different types of prayer out there, you know. Uh, there's desperate prayer. There's desperate prayer. 
Um, Those times where you're just in a place where you go, God, if you don't move, we're sunk. Desperate prayer. Um, when Elise was pregnant, uh, when Elise was pregnant, um, just in the busyness of life, you now she was carrying twins, which probably didn't help, but uh, she had a fall. And when she had the fall, uh, she went into labour. And, you know, you're thinking, Lord, this is way too early. This can't be good. This, this just, you know... It's just an attack of the enemy or whatever. This, this, this isn't good. This isn't good. And um, I, I rang Pastor Nina um, just to let her know uh, just the circumstances. And I'm not sure whether Pastor Nina remembers, but her words to me was, we have to pray that they stay in. Yeah? yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was the word of God. You know how something just sparks something in your spirit and you go, yeah, that's the word of God. We've got to pray that they stay in. And so I'm out pacing the streets. I don't know whether you do that, you know, sometimes, you know, can't really pray at home, so I just go and walk, yeah, go and walk and pray, and I don't know what the neighbours think, but who cares, um, and so I'm out walking the streets praying, and, uh, and the scripture came to me, all the days ordained for my life were written before one of them came to be, so I'm out there stomping around going, well, hang on. God has already ordained all the days for these babies' lives. So he's ordained a birth date. You know, so I'm praying that. I'm not just thinking it, I'm praying it. You know, Lord, you have ordained a birth date for these kids. Not only have you ordained a birthday for these kids, but it is written in heaven. Now, I don't know where it's written, but somewhere it's written. And so I'm lifting that into the heavenly realms going, that date is written and it shall not be changed. And so I'm binding every work of man and every work of the enemy to change what is already written. Because it is written. Yeah? Desperate prayer. Get a hold of something of God and just push in with it. And uh, um, the outcome of it was the baby stayed in for three weeks longer. Um, The doctors did what they did. And the babies today are just fantastic and awesome. You've seen them. You've seen the photos. And uh, so there's lots of different types of prayer. But it's a pillar that carries load in our house and holds up our house. Prayer. Okay, so we've got time in the prayer, time in the Word of God, time with God, time in His Word. We have prayer. Okay, the third one is a sanctified life. A sanctified life. You know, you want a house that stands tall and strong, then it requires a sanctified life. Um, it's Father's Day, so I'd like to honour my dad. Um, growing up, my dad wasn't a Christian. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. But my dad was a decent and honourable man. I never remember him. I never remember him cheating on his taxes. I've never seen him drunk. I've never seen him violent. He's an honourable man. And uh, Proverbs 14.34, I think it is, says, Righteousness exalts a nation. But you can cross out the word nation and put in family. Righteousness is exalts. It doesn't matter. Yeah? And so righteousness is one of those things. Sanctification is one of those things that exalts the nation. If you've got that in place, the house is going to stand tall. Yeah? 
It's going to stand. Yeah, you get the picture. Yeah, you do. This pillar is a little bit different. You know, the first two we talked about, time in his word, time in prayer. For those ones, this is how I see it, yeah? For those ones, you can kind of give yourself a bit of a kick. You know, the alarm goes, you can give yourself a bit of a kick and say, come on, don't spend your time with God. Get, get yourself sorted, yeah? Um, for prayer, you know, you can be sitting there watching the television and you can give yourself a bit of a quick, come on, get off the lounge. Go on, just go for a walk with God. Go on, spend some time, yeah? Sanctification is different. Now, I don't know whether you've ever tried to be good, but it's never worked for me. Yeah? I, I don't know. Am I alone in that? Yeah? Sanctification happens as a process over time as you yield to the grace of God's sanctifying spirit and power. Does that make sense? Yeah? So this is an overtime thing where you're just allowing God to work. You know, come on, God, I want you to work in this area. Lord, I think you're, I think you're wanting to speak to me here, God. Yeah? You get the picture, Yeah? So partnership with him, yielding to him, that's how this pillar comes into place. But it's one of those ones that will hold up your house. And I actually think you need all these. Otherwise, you know, your roof's going to be lopsided. It's not going to, it's not going to uh, stand. And the last one, the last one. The last pillar that, um, the last pillar, it's generosity. Living a generous life having a generous heart. And for me, if, you, if you're only, only going to pick one pillar, pick this one, yeah? Because th- this is the pillar that draws and attracts the favour and the blessing of God. This is the pillar that catches the eye of God, you know? You, you want his face to smile upon your family. You want his face to smile upon your family. You want his favour to rest upon your house. This is the one. If, if you want a scriptural example of that, um, Cornelius. I think many of you would know the story. God chooses Cornelius' house to bring the gospel to. First one. Why does God say he chose that? Because he says um, Cornelius' acts of righteousness have come up as a memorial before him. It had caught God's eye. Yeah? And I know this is a little confusing because the last pillar we're talking about was sanctification and we can think of that as living a righteous life. But when this scripture is talking about acts of righteousness, it's actually talking about acts of generosity. It's not talking about living a holy life. It's talking about the generous flow, those generous things that he did. And it so attracted God's attention, so attracted God's attention that um, God chose that spot for the gospel to break out amongst the Gentiles. Yeah. Yeah. So we're still talking to the men. You still with me, men? Yeah. Okay, so as men, God has wired us to take responsibility for things, yeah? And uh, um, here we can think narrow or big. Here we can think narrow in terms of, um, well, I'm going to be responsible just for this because this is my house and whatever, yeah? But that's not the way God thinks. God thinks broad when it comes to responsibility. And so I think the way God thinks is like he gives you this basket, which is David Elder's responsibility, you know, or Dean Johnson's responsibility, yeah? And he comes along and drops things in it. And he just has this habit of dropping whatever he likes into it. And sometimes you look at the things he drops into your basket of responsibility and you go, why would I be responsible for that? You know, surely surely there should be 10 other people who should be more responsible for that than me. Does that make sense, yeah? Yeah? Whereas you look at it and go, oh, all right. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
So the sort of things I'm talking about, your neighbour next door, yeah, they've got a young kid, he can't get a job because he doesn't have his driver's licence. He can't get his driver's licence because he doesn't have the money to pay for the lessons. He's already failed twice his test because he hasn't gone and had the lessons and learned how to do it properly. Yeah, does that make sense? And God comes along and drops into your basket. Well, why don't you pay for his lessons? Yeah? You, you just, you know, you're with me, aren't you, you know? But, it, but it's that whole responding to that that catches God's eye and gives us his favour. And uh, I, th- I think over time, over time, so I think there's some tests, you know. I think when you see a need and you're frustrated, you see the need and you're frustrated because you're going, why can't everyone see this need? Why isn't someone fixing this need? <laughs> you know, I think that's where you have to ask the question, Lord, have you just dropped that in my basket of responsibility? Do you want me to fix that need? Does that make sense? Yeah. And uh, I think as you walk in this over time, you get better and better and better at hearing the voice and the tug of God and going, oh, that's you, Lord, isn't that? You want me to do that. And um, I guess my experience of that is there are times that, you know, you give, you give this much and then down the track, God lets you see the backstory and lets you see the result of your giving and you find out that you've given that much, but what is achieved is actually this much. Yeah. And so you start to get confidence in that. You start to get confidence in that and going, oh, okay, Lord, that was you. Help me, Lord, to hear your voice in the future and to yield that whole thing of generosity. And I guess I, guess I balance it out with this, you know, because sometimes, you know, you'll look at it and go, well, is that God? Is that not God or is it not God? But if you yield to it anyway and do it anyway, what's the worst that's happened? You've done a nice thing for someone, you know? What have you lost, you know? God's going to make sure you're not... You don't lose out in that. Yeah. Okay. So you get those things. Yeah. So it's Father's Day. So uh, do you know anyone who's been super over-the-top generous and set an example for all mankind to live for? (laughs) Isn't that God the Father? You know, talk about super generous. Talk about over-the-top generosity. You know, undeserved favour, just, it's just who he is, isn't it? It's just, um, I, I don't know whether you do, but sometimes I try and imagine things, you know. What was this like or what was, you know. And uh, I, I've, I've kind of tried to think through the process, maybe you have to, of uh, the unfolding revelation of God sending Jesus to the earth in, for those who are in heaven. And, you know, um, I imagine there was a time and I don't really even know how that works because God sits outside of time. But somehow, you know, somehow in God's interacting with time, you know, where all the angelic beings can see that God's creation in the earth has gone bad, that it's just terrible, you know. Now, they're with God, so you assume that they know his character. That, so, so you assume that they know he's got it sorted and it's going to be okay because they know him. But then the day comes where they realise that the fix that he's got is to give his own son. That his own son's going to have to live on earth and pay the penalty and die for this chaos and mess that hasn't been his cause creating, that's been our creating. It's, 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 it, to me, it's a bit like, you know, Mary. Mary, Mary had the, the, um, the, the, the uh, vial of perfume, you know, the... The alabaster jar of perfume, you know. Uh, we're told it was worth a year's wages. Uh, now, now, don't do this, but 
give me a wave if you've got something worth a year's wages. What, $70,000 sitting in your home, you know? Don't give me a wave. I don't, I don't need to know. But, you know, but how many people have something $70,000 $70, just sitting around their home, you know? And so we read from Scripture that the response of people to her taking this and breaking this, you know? And yes, there were those who were indignant, but I'm sure there are those that were just going, they're going, oh my goodness, she's what? She's what? She's what? And I think that must have been the reaction in heaven. You know, these angelic beings going, God's going to what? He's going to give what? So if you're here today and you've never really entered into what God did in giving us his son on the earth, in the forgiveness that's come, in the relationship that's out of that uh, has come that we can have with God, if that's something that, that, that you've never really stepped into and partaken of, um, we're not going to take a lot of time with it now because there's something I want to get on with, but if that's you, why don't you come and talk to me at the end of the meeting? Uh, you know, come talk to myself or Pastor Nina or Pastor Hendrico. Come, come and talk to us because um, we would love just to explain that to you and lead you into the benefits of that for yourself, um, something that we would love to do today. But what I really want to get on to is talking about our pillars. How are our pillars? Just excuse me for a sec. How are our pillars? How do your pillars go when they come under load, when those crises of life come along? How do your pillars go? How do they stand up? Um, the, the other Saturday morning, um, I was at home, and as is my habit, I went downstairs and sat in my prayer chair, and uh, it made an unusual sound. And uh, when I looked, one of the legs had failed. And, uh, you know, before you think, gee, you know, over winter, he's been stacking on the weight, you know, should have taken a bit more care. He's, uh, and no, I know you're not thinking that, I'm just being silly. Um, but Helen can confirm that chair leg wasn't right from you. It was always just a bit dodgy. Yeah, yeah, so it wasn't me, it, you know. Um, and, you know, when we come into the kingdom, we're not showroom condition. You know, we got a bit of repair work that just needs to get done, yeah? You know, for many of us, you know, if we were a house ad in the paper, it would be renovator's delight, you know? God's, God's got some work to do, yeah? Yeah. And so, so when I pulled that chair apart, you know, um, the, the bit of timber that the legs sat in had given way and, uh, you know, but... It turned out that it had just been stapled. Now, it wasn't a terribly cheap, as far as I know, lounge, but it was just held in there with staples, you know? So I kind of knocked it back in place as best I could, and it's now held in place with three big screws, yeah? And it's not perfect, but I tell you what, it's not going anywhere in a hurry, and it's certainly going to carry all the load that it needs to for the rest of its life. Does that make sense? Yeah? So God today wants to strengthen some pillows... He wants to uh, do a work in that. So let's just look at that. So how, how, how can our pillars fail? How can our pillars fail? Well, you know, that first pillar, you know, we can get in that place where when we come into the crises of life, where we go, Lord, I'm just too busy. I would spend time with you, but I've just got so much to do. I've got this phone call to make, and I've got to chase this up, and whatever, yeah? 
And we can get in this place where we say to God, you know, when I'm through the crisis, Lord, I'll have more time and I'll come and spend time with you. Yeah? That's the pillar giving way. That's the pillar giving way. You know, or, or maybe you find yourself in, in a place of prayer where when you go to pray, you know, there's just an anxiousness, you know, that, that you can't quiet in your soul enough to come into that place where you can actually deeply connect with God. The anxiety is just too great. That's the pillar, failing. You know, maybe, maybe it's, it's in a place where, you know, when, that, when those times happen that um, compromise comes. You know, things you wouldn't normally do. You know, compromise comes. And uh, you can find yourself in the place of saying, well, I know God understands. And he does. But that's that pillar failing. Or, or, or maybe with the generosity. You know, you might be someone who normally has a nice open hand, you know, that's willing to give and willing to share and willing to lend, yeah? But in those times when um, you find yourself in a crisis, there's a tendency just to close the hand and go, well, how can I give that? I might need that for this or for that, you know? So I believe that today God wants to strengthen some pillars today. That just as that chair leg was strengthened and is now strong and fit for purpose, God's got a work he wants to do strengthening pillars today. So, mate.